Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Check out the self-pour beer wall at Walters. Walters is located across the street from Nationals Park. Walters is the best sports bar in Navy Yard. Walters is your spot for all of the NBA playoffs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the 2-2, swing and a fly ball, deep right center. Thomas back, he's at the wall, and this is gone. Goodbye. A home run for Trey Turner. The long pause. The kick and the pitch. Swing and a long drive deep down the left field line. Hernandez chasing, going, going, and gone. Goodbye. A three-run home run for Mookie Betts. Looking up at the wall, and it is gone. Another home run for the Dodgers. Their third in three innings. And a swing and a long drive left field again for Betts. This one is back, and it is going, going, and gone. He is homered again. Fourth consecutive inning with a home run for the Dodgers. A solo shot for Betts. His 12th of the season. It's 8-3 Los Angeles. And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, May 25th, 2022. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Mark Zuckerman is off for this installment of Nats Chat. Uh, Before we get to the baseball, we obviously are aware of what happened at Robb Elementary School in Texas during the day on Tuesday. Uh, Presumably, you listened to this podcast to hear about the Nationals and to hear about baseball. And so that's what I'm going to do. Talk about the Nats, uh, the American flag the Nationals flag and the D.C. flag on the left center field concourse at Nationals Park uh, were lowered to half-mast on Tuesday. Uh, The Nats held a moment of silence for the victims. Uh, Obviously, this is an unspeakable tragedy, and uh, my thoughts and prayers are with the victims and their families, and uh, I know that the same holds true for Mark and for Tim Shovers, and uh, I know for so many of you listening. So uh, on to the baseball we go, and uh, I tell you, it was a busy day on Tuesday. Uh, the results weren't what we all wanted, but it was a busy day on Tuesday. You basically had three games of note going on for the Nationals at once on Tuesday night. Uh, we had the Nats' major league game. We had Steven Strasburg making the first start of his minor league rehab assignment, and we had Joe Ross making the first start of his minor league rehab assignment. Uh, The Nats and their minor league affiliates lost all three of the games, and in two of the three games, the starting pitching was not good. Uh, I'll get to what went down with Strasburg and Ross in a bit, but the Nats on Tuesday night got worked by the National League-leading Los Angeles Dodgers at Nationals Park for a second consecutive night, a 9-4 loss in Game 2 
of a three-game series. This off a 10-1 loss on Monday night. So if you are keeping score, the score in this series so far is Dodgers 19, Nats 5. The Nats this season now are 14-30. and 30. That is the second worst record in the majors. The Dodgers this season now 29-13. and 13. That is the best record in the National League. So I was excited for the pitching matchup on Tuesday night at Nationals Park. Josiah Gray versus Walker Bueller. Gray, of course, the former Dodgers prospect who the Nats acquired last July 30th in the trade of Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers. Uh, Bueller, of course, is the Dodgers ace. But unfortunately, in what was, you know, a pretty big spot here for Josiah Gray, right, facing the mighty Dodgers, he struggled. Uh, He struggled big time on Tuesday night. Seven runs in three innings. Uh, Gray gave up five hits, three homers, and two singles. He issued three walks and a hit by pitch. He did record five strikeouts, but he over 80 pitches through just 47 strikes versus 33 balls. And, you know, this wasn't an outing in which Gray had like one bad inning, but then was good the rest of the game or was good for the bulk of the start and then just kind of fell apart late in the outing. No, he struggled in the first and then he struggled in the second and then he struggled in the third and then that was it. He was gone. Again, seven runs in three innings. Uh, Josiah Gray in the top of the first allowed two runs. Uh, Gray issued a one-out five-pitch walk of Freddie Freeman. Gray gave up a one-out two-run homer to, yes, Trey Turner to right center field for a 2-0 Dodgers lead despite Trey having been down to the count at 1.12. The homer going a projected 400 feet per stat cast. Gray gave up a one-out single to Will Smith to left center field despite him having been down to the count at 1.02. And then Gray wasn't done. He issued a one-out four-pitch walk of Max Muncie. Gray uh, did then record back-to-back strikeouts for the second and third outs, but that top of the first felt like it took about an hour and a half with how many Dodgers reached base and how many pitches Josiah Gray ended up throwing in that inning. He then came back out, top of the second, allowed three more runs, uh, gave up a leadoff single to the uh, Virginia product, Chris Taylor, to left field on a 1-2 pitch. Gray issued a five-pitch walk of Gavin Lux. Gray gave up a three-run homer to Mookie Betts to left field on a 1-2 pitch for a 5-3 Dodgers lead. Uh, That homer only went a projected 358 feet per stat cast, but that part of Nationals Park, right by that left field foul pole, you don't have to hit it far to hit a homer, and Betts did not hit it far, but he got himself a homer, the first of two homers for Mookie Betts on Tuesday night, and Josiah Gray had allowed five runs through two innings, and then in the top of the third, Gray allowed two more runs. He issued a one-out hit-by-pitch of Justin Turner, and then Gray gave up another homer, a two-out opposite field, two-run homer to Chris Taylor to right center field for a 7-3 Dodgers lead, despite Taylor having been down to the count at 1.02. This homer per stat cast going a projected 400 eight feet. So Josiah Gray on Tuesday night, seven runs in three innings. He gives up three home runs. He on multiple occasions had a batter down 0-2 or 1-2 and then ended up giving up something that was not so good, including each home run coming in account in which the batter at one point was down 0-2 or 1-2. This was the second time in three starts, by the way, that Josiah Gray struggled. Gray in a 6-1 loss to the Houston Astros at Nationals Park on May 13th. On Friday the 13th, allowed six runs in six innings. Now, that was that weirdo start in which he allowed five runs in the top of the first, and then he, over his final five innings, allowed just one run. Uh, Certainly seemed like Josiah Gray 
was tipping his pitches in that first inning. But, you know, that was one of those outings in which the final line was bad, but you can take positives from the outing because Josiah Gray, after the really bad first inning, like I said, one run, five innings, he retired 16 of the final 20 batters he faced. But, you know, the top of the first in that game was bad. Five runs on two homers, two doubles, and a single. Uh, Josiah Gray in a 5-4, 10-inning win at the Miami Marlins on May 18th, I thought for the most part was good. Three runs in six innings, but seven strikeouts, versus no walks. But Gray on Tuesday night, seven runs in three innings. And so this may sneak up on you, maybe not. But Josiah Gray's ERA for the season now is 544. I mean, that is, as we like to say in the trade these days, Corbin-esque, an ERA of 544. I mean, for the longest time this season, it felt like Josiah Gray was doing well, and he was doing well. But you take a step back, nine starts for Josiah Gray this season, ERA of 544. But here to me is what is even more concerning with Josiah Gray. The guy keeps giving up home runs. So Josiah Gray now over his two major league seasons has totaled 117 major league regular season innings, okay? He over those 117 innings has given up 31 home runs. That is a staggering home runs allowed total for 117 innings. 31 home runs. 31 homers in 117 innings works out to a home run rate, a uh, home runs allowed per nine innings of 2.38. Way too many home runs. Uh, So Josiah Gray has a home run problem. And we saw this last season. We're seeing it again this season. And, you know, 117 innings isn't a tiny sample size. Like, this is something he's got to correct. And I'm sure that he knows that. I'm sure that David Martinez and Jim Hickey know that. But man, this really slapped you in the face watching this game on Tuesday night. You know, with Josiah Gray, I mean, we see things that we like. There's no doubt about that. And he certainly has pitched well in a good number of games for the Nats. But the overall picture of his work at the major league level over two seasons isn't pretty right now. 117 innings. His ERA over those 117 innings is 546. And like I said, he has allowed 31 home runs over those 117 innings. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. It's graduation season, and so that means it is Window Nation's graduation sale. If your old windows are failing or just not making the grade, here's a homework assignment. Call Window Nation and get to the head of the class with 0% financing for five full years, 60 months, and get two free windows with every two that you buy. Window Nation windows are the best. They are made right here locally in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area. Over 1,500 custom window combinations are available. Vinyl, wood, fiberglass. Price quotes are valid for six months. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. You know, the longer that you have old drafty windows, the more money that you're wasting on your heating and cooling bills. Window Nation has saved customers over $60 million on energy bills. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and make sure that you ask Window Nation for the graduation sale that you heard about from Al Galdi. That's 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and get the special offer. Mention my name, Al Galdi, when you talk to Window Nation. There goes the runners and the pitch 
Ball to throw down, and safe is the call. Ruiz almost overslid the bag, so it's a double steal on a ball inside, the most unlikely pairing maybe in Nationals history for a double steal. Kbert Ruiz and Nelson Cruz. Speaking of home runs, as in not hitting home runs, uh, here's all that you need to know about the Nats offense on Tuesday night. The Nats outhit the Dodgers 10-9, but the Nats lost the game 9-4. Why? Because the Dodgers smashed four homers and the Nats hit no homers. The Nats' 10 hits were comprised of one double and nine singles. That is what the Nats do. We have talked about that many times. Uh, the Nats love their singles, and singles are nice, okay? I am not an anti-singlesite, but home runs are a lot better, okay? And the Dodgers on Tuesday night, I mean, it's so interesting to me. The Dodgers on Tuesday night went one for four with runners in scoring position and yet scored nine runs. Just one hit the entire game with runners in scoring position. Just four at-bats the entire game with runners in scoring position. And yet the Dodgers scored nine runs. How? Why? Easy. Four homers. The home run is the great equalizer. The home run covers up so many flaws. And the Nats don't hit home runs. So the Nats have to scratch and claw and bite and fight for every run that they score. The Dodgers, easy breezy. Eh, you know, we, we don't come through with runners in scoring position. We don't get many runners in scoring position. It doesn't matter. We hit bombs. And so we can put up a nine spot with only having nine hits for the game, with only going one for four with runners in scoring position in the game. The Nats this season have played 44 games, have totaled 27 homers. The Dodgers this season have played 42 games, have totaled 48 homers. So the Nats have played two more games than the Dodgers have played, and yet the Nats have hit 21 fewer home runs than the Dodgers have hit. This is by far the number one problem with the Nats offense, the lack of home runs. And, you know, you look at this Nats lineup and you go by guys' track records, and the Nats do have guys who can hit home runs, who have hit home runs. And perhaps at some point this season, the Nats will start to hit home runs. I still would like to think that that is going to happen, but it certainly is not happening right now. And uh, going back to the runners in scoring position scenario, I mentioned the Dodgers on Tuesday night going one of four. The Nats on Tuesday night, two of 12. Nats left way too many men on base in this game. Uh, Cesar Hernandez was back as the Nats' uh, number one batter in the lineup. He was the Nats' uh, starting second baseman, of course. One for five with an infield single. Left four men on base in the game. Uh, We had another underwhelming game for Juan Soto. Uh, Soto on Tuesday night as the Nats' starting right fielder and number three batter. 0 for three with two walks and an RBI ground out. He left five men on base. Good to see two walks, okay? I'm certainly not going to complain about that. But take a listen to this. Juan Soto's OPS for the season through games on May 5th was 927. His OPS for the season right now is 824. His OPS for the season in less than three weeks has fallen by 103 points. He's not hitting for power. Uh, Josh Bell is not hitting for power. He remains without an extra base hit since May 7th. It has been weeks since Josh Bell had an extra base hit. He on Tuesday night as an ad starting first baseman and number five batter went one for four with a single. Uh, Bell in an ad's three-run first had a one-out run scoring single up the middle for a 3-2 Nats lead. He didn't get an RBI due to a throwing error 
by Dodgers center fielder Chris Taylor. But okay, good to see him get a hit there. Nice to see the Nats put up three runs in the bottom of the first inning on Tuesday night. That is something the Nats have done a good job of this season, scoring in the first innings of games. But Josh Bell is not the player right now that he was earlier this season. Uh, You know, Yadiel Hernandez has cooled off. Uh, He on Tuesday night as an ad starting left fielder and number six batter, 0 for 3 with a walk. Uh, He in the bottom of the eighth drew a leadoff five-pitch walk. But Yadiel now has gone eight consecutive games without an extra base hit. I really can't emphasize this enough. The Nats don't hit for nearly enough power, and this really stands out in seeing the Nats play a team like the Dodgers, uh, seeing the Nats play at the Milwaukee Brewers, as the Nats did this past weekend. Now, the Nats on Tuesday night did have three guys who each had at least two hits. Two of the guys had three hits, but each of those guys had three singles, you know, so this is how the Nats operate. Uh, It's funny to me with Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is actually piling up the hits recently, but they're like all singles. He continues to not hit for power. He is, though, getting singles. He is getting hits, so that's better than getting nothing, which is what Nelson Cruz was doing for much of this season. But uh, Nelson Cruz on Tuesday night as an ad starting DH and number four batter, three for five uh, with two RBI singles, another single, and a stolen base. Uh, we had a double steal in this game, Nelson Cruz and Cabot Ruiz. How about that? Uh, but Cruz, look, he's going the opposite way a lot. And he was productive on Tuesday night from a standpoint of, like I said, two RBI singles. Cruz in that Nats three-run first had a one-out full count opposite field RBI single through the right side of the infield to tie the game at two. Cruz in the bottom of the fifth had a two-out opposite field single to right field uh, to conclude some battle with Dodgers starter Walker Bueller. That two-out single by Cruz in the bottom of the fifth concluded a nine-pitch plate appearance against Bueller, in which Cruz was down at the count at 1.02, and in which he fouled off each of the first six pitches. So that was impressive by Cruz. And then he in the one-run seventh had a two-out opposite field RBI single to right center field to cut the Nats deficit to 9-4, and then had the stolen base. Uh, K-Bet Ruiz, I mentioned him, starting catcher, once again was the Nats' number two batter on Tuesday night, two for five with a double a single, and a stolen base. So K. Barrett had the Nats' lone extra base hit in the game. He and the Nats' three-run first had a first-pitch double to right field, and then he and the Nats' one-run seventh had a one-out single to left field and the stolen base. And D. Strange Gordon on Tuesday night. You know, right now, it's pretty evident we have a timeshare at shortstop for the Nats. D. Strange Gordon and Alcides Escobar. We're seeing a lot of D. Strange Gordon here. And, you know, it's not necessarily pretty, And he's certainly not hitting balls routinely with massive exit velocities, but he is finding his way on base. I mean, he he seems to, every game, find a unique way of getting on base, a creative way of getting on base. You know, his singles, like I said, they're not lasers to the uh, right center field gap and left center field gap, but he does get some hits here. Uh, D. Strange Gordon on Tuesday night, three for four with three singles. He in the bottom of the second had a single to right field. He in the Nats one run seventh had a leadoff single on a grounder that went under the glove of Dodgers shortstop Trey Turner. And that was an example, I thought, of D. Strange Gordon's speed basically creating a hit because you could tell that Trey knew that he had to hurry because D. Strange Gordon can run and Trey, it looked like, took his eyes off the baseball, and the ball went right under his glove, and uh, D. Strange Gordon wound up on first base, and he did get credit for a hit on that play. And then D. Strange Gordon, in the bottom of the ninth, had a leadoff single uh, through the right side of the infield. So, you know, it's not like it's all bad, and the Nats aren't getting any hits, but again, too many singles, not enough power. Uh, The Nats' bullpen on Tuesday night was good. Uh, Five Nats relievers combined 
to allow two runs in six innings. Uh, we talked about Josiah Gray, seven runs in three innings. So Davey Martinez had to lean on the bullpen quite a bit. And the bullpen, for the most part, was good. Victor Rano in the top of the fourth did give up a leadoff homer to Mookie Betts to left field for an 8-3 Dodgers lead. Uh, Josh Rogers gave up a run in the top of the six on a one-out single and then three consecutive two-out walks. But Carl Edwards Jr. looked really good. One in a third perfect innings with three strikeouts. Kyle Finnegan tossed the scoreless top of the eighth. And Paolo Espino, the cleaner-upper, the man who handles garbage time and basically nothing more, uh, he was good again. Uh, Paolo in this game tossed the scoreless top of the ninth inning. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Steven kicks and delivers the one. Two swing and a miss. Nasty. Down and away with the breaking ball. That's... Has to be a sight for sore eyes for Washington Nationals fans right there. All right, let's get to the minor league rehab assignments, and then I have a Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez update for you. So Steven Strasburg and Joe Ross, each guy on Tuesday night, made his first minor league rehab assignment start uh, of the season here. We have Strasburg, of course, coming off the surgery to address neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome. He underwent that Last July 28th, we have Ross coming off arthroscopic surgery to remove a bone spur in his right elbow. He underwent that surgery on March 7th. Uh, Strasburg on Tuesday night was starting for the low-A Fredericksburg Nationals. Ross on Tuesday night was starting for the double-A Harrisburg Senators. One guy did really well. The other guy struggled. And the guy who struggled was Strasburg. Uh, Strasburg on Tuesday night in a 6-1 home loss for the Fredericksburg Nationals to the Salem Red Sox, three runs in two and two-thirds innings. Now, when it comes to these minor league rehab starts, you don't go crazy over the stats necessarily. You don't get sucked in too much into, you know, uh, what were the results. It's more about the process, right? It's more about, okay, what was the velocity like? Uh, what were the guy's peripherals like? So Strasburg was throwing like 93, 94-ish from what I saw. But the concern here, and look, it's, it's one rehab outing, so I'm not trying to sound the alarm bells too much, but this wasn't good. He struggled with his control big time, okay? So three runs in two and two-thirds innings. He gave up three hits, a double and two singles, but he issued four walks. He threw two wild pitches. He threw just 31 strikes versus 30 balls over 61 pitches. He did record three strikeouts, but 
you know, again, this was for the low A Fredericksburg Nationals, okay? So we're talking about one of the lowest levels of minor league baseball that you can have, right? Low class A. And yet Strasburg had a hard time controlling his pitches, only had, I mean, three strikeouts in two and two thirds innings at the major league level would be okay. But at low A, you're like, you'd like to see a little more than that. And he just had a hard time finding home plate. So you're going to obviously be focused on that the next time out for Strasburg. Does he do a better job with his control? Um, you know, a, a, a basic ratio of one to one strike to ball, not good. Like I said, 31 strikes versus 30 balls. Joe Ross, on the other hand, did look good. Uh, so Ross, like I said, started for the AA Harrisburg Senators. This in a 6-4 home loss for Harrisburg to the Altoona Curve. I love the names of minor league baseball teams. And Ross on Tuesday night, three scoreless innings with four strikeouts. Beautiful. Uh, he gave up two hits, both of which were singles. Okay. Uh, he issued no walks. He did issue a hit by pitch, but he threw strikes. 23 strikes versus eight balls over 31 pitches. So, you know, we're not going to go crazy over minor league rehab assignment starts. You got to see more. And really what matters the most is that these guys tomorrow morning wake up and still feel okay. And the day after that, wake up and feel okay. But yeah, I mean, Ross looked good on Tuesday night. Strasburg, not nearly as much. I came across this. Perhaps you did as well. So we have an update here on the futures of Nats president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo and manager Davey Martinez. So as we know, each guy is in the final guaranteed year of his contract. Uh, Each guy got a contract extension in September 2020. The initial reporting was that each guy got a three-year extension. Uh, Not really. Each guy got a two-year extension with a club option for 2023. Of course, complicating all of this and really complicating everything with the Nats right now is what's going on with ownership, that the learners are open to selling at least some of the team. Uh, I believe, and I think more and more people are believing, that the learners will be selling all of the team. So you have this ownership uncertainty right now, and that, of course, impacts everything with a baseball team. But, you know, you think about Rizzo, right? He's been the Nats general manager essentially since, you know, the middle of the 2009 season, and his contract's coming up. Davey's contract is coming up. Well, uh, Bob Nightingale, MLB columnist of for USA Today Sports, Nightingale has had a lot of stuff on the Nats over the years, and he has reported that the Nats are expected to exercise their club option on Mike Rizzo. So that's obviously noteworthy. We don't know about a timeline for this sale of the Nats, if in fact the Nats are being sold and the learners are getting out. And like I said, I do think that that is what is happening. And so you think about, all right, if new ownership is coming in, is the new ownership going to like it that a general manager has just been extended? Well, it's only for one year, right? This is a club option for 2023. So I think it's not something that you, you say to yourself, okay, well, this is uh, something that's going to really turn off a potential buyer of the Nats that Mike Rizzo is under contract for one more season. And I think if you're a new owner, you may well want to have Rizzo stay on board See if you like him, see if you want him to continue on, and then you make a decision on his future, say, at the end of the 2023 season. But that is notable from Nightingale that the Nats are expected to exercise their club option on Mike Rizzo. By the way, if if you're asking the question of, well, does Rizzo deserve that? I would say, yes, he does. Look, the state of the Nats right now is really bad. Mike Rizzo is deserving of a lot of blame for that. But Rizzo has done enough good to where, in my opinion, he deserves the opportunity 
to work his way out of this, to general manage his way out of this, okay? Now, if he can't, then he should be gone, okay? But there's been enough good from Rizzo over his decade plus running the Nats to where he deserves the chance to try to fix this situation that the Nats are currently in. And it's a situation we've talked about it a lot, bad farm system, bad player development. The Nats have got to get better in those two regards. Also from Nightingale, uh, he reported this, that the Nats have until the All-Star break to decide whether to pick up Davey Martinez's option. A lot of times, a club option or any option can be exercised in the upcoming offseason, right? It's not necessarily in the prior season that you have to exercise the option. Well, apparently in Davey's contract, the option has to be picked up by the All-Star break. So we're going to find out, assuming this reporting is correct and there's no reason to think that it isn't, what the future is here with Davey. Now, here's the other sort of interesting twist on this. Nightingale reports that the value of Davey Martinez's option is $4 million. If you know your learners, you know they don't like to pay managers to say nothing of paying a manager $4 million, okay? So that's going to be interesting. Now, maybe the learners are like, we're not going to own this team beyond this year, so we'll go ahead and pick up Davies' option. What do we care? But then again, if the learners aren't sure about how long this sale might take, if the learners think it's possible they'll still be owning the Nats next year, then I think it does become interesting. Would the learners be willing to pick up a $4 million option in Davey Martinez's contract. So, you know, right now with the Nats, you have the baseball at the major league level, but there's so much more going on here. There's the ownership uncertainty. There's the general manager uncertainty. There's the managerial uncertainty. There's what's happening in the minors with guys like Strasburg and Ross making minor league rehab assignments. A top pitching prospect in Katie Cavalli having his struggles, although he was better in his last outing. So yeah, a lot to be thinking about right now if you're a Nats fan. But, you know, it's conceivable. I don't know how likely it is, but it's conceivable that Davey Martinez won't be the Nats manager beyond this season. You know, I think in this circumstance, especially given the uncertainty with the learners and the learners' history with managers, which which is peculiar. You know, you expect the unexpected. You expect strange things to happen. See Jim Riggleman, see Bud Black. I don't think anybody should be shocked by anything. It's not Davey's fault the Nats are this bad, okay? I don't think Davey deserves to be gone after this year. But just because someone doesn't deserve to be gone doesn't mean that he won't be gone in sports. We see this, right? Money can change things. Contractual situations can change things. And uh, this is going to be something to follow. So we shall see. Game three for the Nats against the Dodgers at Nationals Park is on Wednesday afternoon at 4.05. Eric Fetty versus Julio Urias. You tell us what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. By the way, Tim Shovers put up a really good poll. I thought this was a good question. Uh, You can vote by going to our Twitter page, twitter.com slash Nats underscore chat. By the way, you don't have to be on Twitter to do that. You can just type in twitter.com slash Nats underscore chat and go to the Twitter page for the Nats Chat Podcast. But the question is this, with the Dodgers in town, which piece of the Trey Turner, Max Scherzer deal do you have a better long-term outlook for? Josiah Gray, Kbert Ruiz. Now, (laughs) off what happened on Tuesday night, uh, the results, for now anyway, are overwhelmingly in favor of Kbert Ruiz, uh, 79% 
for him versus 21% for Josiah Gray? I think it's a tough question, though. Uh, but in the moment right now, yes, it feels much more like Kbert Ruiz is the safer play than Josiah Gray is. But each guy has looked good at times. I think we have seen plenty of good from Josiah Gray, but we certainly have not seen enough good. He certainly lately has not been at his best, and he's got to get the home runs under control. Uh, you can email the podcast as well, uh, Podcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nats Chat Podcast, hit up Tim uh, at natschatpodcast at gmail.com. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please take the time to give the podcast a five-star rating if you haven't yet done that. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, please take the time to write just a brief review saying that you like the podcast. The ratings and the reviews help the podcast go, help the cause of the podcast, and we appreciate it the ratings, and the reviews so much. Uh, Mark Zuckerman will be back with me on the next installment of the Nats Chat Podcast. Uh, Until then, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. And we're going to leave you with something special right now. My alma mater is rolling when it comes to baseball. The Maryland Terrapins are the Big Ten champions. Maryland baseball has come a long way over the years. So Matt Noble of the Maryland Baseball Network is going to take us home here with this update on the Big Ten Champion Terrapins. The Maryland baseball team won its final two games of the regular season this past Thursday and Friday to capture the 2022 Big Ten regular season title. The Terps finished the regular season with a 43-10 overall record and won 18-5 in league play. It is the first Big Ten baseball title for Maryland and the first conference title for the Terps in 51 years. The Terps have been an offensive juggernaut this season, scoring 10 or more runs in 22 games and 8 of their last 11 games. Senior center fielder Chris Bubba Aline is hitting a team best 354 and is the first player in NCAA Division I baseball to hit 20 homers and steal 20 bases in a season since 2018. Sophomore shortstop Matt Shaw is right behind Aline with 21 homers, including six in a three-game weekend series against Michigan a few weeks ago. In all, the Terps have seven of the nine starters batting over 300. Third baseman Nick LaRusso, a transfer from Villanova, is batting 333 with 14 homers, while right fielder Troy Schraffler Jr., second baseman Kevin Keister, and D.H. Ian Petrutz are hitting over 300 as well. Not to be outdone, the starting pitching has been stellar as well. The weekend trio of Jason Savakul, Ryan Ramsey, and Nick Dean are a combined 24-4 and with a 3.34 ERA. Ramsey tossed a perfect game on April 29th against Northwestern and is 10-0 with a 2.98 ERA, while Savakul leads the team with 108 strikeouts. The conference tournament gets started Wednesday morning. The top-seeded Terps play eighth-seeded Indiana at 6 o'clock and have Michigan and Iowa on their side of the bracket as well. The double elimination tournament's championship game takes place on Sunday. On Monday, the 64-team NCAA tournament bracket will be revealed on ESPN2 at noon. Maryland is in line to host one of the 16 four-team regionals that begin on June 3rd and may even be in line to host the second-round Super Regionals the following week should they advance. For more updates about Terp baseball and for ticket information for postseason play, visit umterps.com. With the Terrapins baseball team, I'm Matt Noble.